Welcome to ScotsCast, the Bible teaching podcast of Scots Church, Melbourne. At the whumping rhythm of helicopter blades cut through the sound of Sydney traffic and made us look up at the sky. We were walking near Darling Harbour. It was around 10am. And there above us was the helicopter and hanging below it was a dangling car. As it got closer, clearly a four-wheel drive swaying from the cable as the chopper came closer and closer to the wharf where it was landing. Looking closer, we could see there was a crowd assembled on the ground and TV cameras as well focused upwards at this most unusual spectacle, a flying car. Now, I've seen some odd things in my time, and I've got to tell you that stands out as one of them. It was, in fact, the product launch of the new Toyota Prado, which means the date must have been about April 1990. And because we saw it with our own eyes, this spectacular fly-in, I can still remember it vividly. Let me take you to another product launch that made some waves. As we watch this morning the spectacular public launch of the church. The public launch of the apostolic enterprise, as we saw last week, to proclaim Jesus as the resurrected King. To proclaim him to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the world. Now that was the mission left to them by Jesus. You might remember a little bit of the backstory that the disciples, like everybody Jewish at the time, they were looking forward to the restoration of the nation of Israel. That through various misadventures, or more specifically through various judgments of God for their unfaithfulness, had through the centuries been scattered all around the nations of the Mediterranean and Middle East. They were a majority diaspora people, more people living away from the homeland than living home. And yet the prophets had said, prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, when the anointed one comes and pours out God's spirit, then all the exiles will want to come pouring home again. God will regather his people. And that, in a sense, was to be the heart of the apostolic mission. Twelve of them, one for each tribe of Israel. On that mission, bearing witness to the resurrection that proved Jesus was the king they'd been waiting for. Now, what better time for a launch than the week when countless thousands of diaspora Jews came home to Jerusalem for the annual Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost is a word that just means 50 because it's held 50 days after the Passover. Which is why Luke says in verse 5, Now staying in Jerusalem were devout Jews from every nation under heaven. They're, they're there from every nation for the, for the sacrifices, for the parties, for the family reunions that happened every year at Pentecost. The 
perfect time for a spectacular launch of the new covenant promised by Jeremiah. So watch again what happens. This little group of Christians, 120 of them as we saw last week, were all together in one place when there is the sound of a roaring wind that, that rattles the windows and fills the house. Although in the original Greek, the words for wind and breath and spirit all share the same semantic root, a forceful breath. And then even more spectacular, tongues of flame licking on their heads, all of them. Just look at the description. Divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. In fact, not fire in any normal sense. Tongues as of fire. It, it's something else. It's, it's something odd and spectacular. And verse 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the first part of that is exactly what Jesus had said would happen. The second part may be something of a strange surprise, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, can I say at this point that what's happening here has been debated ever since? But somehow, with a whole lot of heat, it seems, in the mid to late 20th century, with the rise and spread of the Pentecostal movement, who want us to take this event as the model for the ordinary experience of every Christian. Now, you may be here this morning and consider yourself a Pentecostal Christian. I certainly know uh, that's the case with a number who have spoken to me. And it's been a, a significant movement with churches like Hillsong and Planet Shakers and C3 and plenty more. What I have to say seem to have a bit more energy than your average Presbyterian. Although, even as we read through Acts, I'm not sure we're meant to expect the same fireworks every day as there were on launch day. The same kind of thing does happen twice more at very significant turning points in the book of Acts. But you know, I'm not sure that Toyota was promising that every Toyota Prado would be delivered by helicopter every time to everyone who buys one. And when it comes to this strange thing that Luke describes as speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, I want to suggest it's important to look back at the original context and ask about the purpose. Why have these tongues of spirit fire somehow produced tongues, languages of men? And how does that connect with what people want to call speaking in tongues today? Well, when you look at the context, you'll see there's a crowd outside, a crowd of these pilgrimage tourists in town for Pentecost who have come from every point on the map. It's a ready-made sample of the Apostles' ultimate target audience. Here they all are, 
right outside their door. And the miracle is that all of them, all at once, can understand what they're hearing, no matter what their own native tongue. Take a look at verse 6. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. This is astonishing. No need for the apostles to spend hours on their Duolingo apps. No need for night classes. Not even the Google Translate app that apparently these days does it all for you. They're just opening their mouths and out comes Arabic or Proto-Germanic or, or Latin. And no matter where they've come from, everyone can understand. All the more astonishing because the apostles are obviously such uncouth Galileans whose language was always considered a little bit rough around the edges, much like people who spent too long in Queensland. How is it that we hear each one in our own native language? And the answer is because the Spirit of God has at last been poured out, first and foremost on these apostolic messengers, whose job is, as we've already seen in the opening chapters of Acts, whose job is to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus all over the map. They're going to go there. But at this point in the grand launch, all over the map has come to them. Parthians, Medes and Elamites from the east, Mesopotamians, like Azu in the choir, wider Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia in the north, along with Phrygians and Pamphylians, Egyptians and Libyans from the south, and Romans and Cretans from the west, all here in Jerusalem, whether Jewish by birth or proselytes, new Jews, Cretans, Arabians, doesn't matter, all on the doorstep and all able to understand in their own native tongue. Verse 11, in case you missed it the first time, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Which again, on, on this launch day of the apostolic mission, this launch day of the church, is a pointer, I think, to what the Spirit is all about. Having all kinds of people hear and understand the mighty works of God. And most especially, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Which means, in other words, this supernatural gift of speaking in tongues was all about the importance of being understood by the people you want to reach. What a fantastic way to launch a world mission. To bring together these scattered Israelites and their Gentile friends with them to have all these outliers hearing their words and saying, this is for me. I can understand what they're talking about. Friends, that is the impact of this astonishing work of the Spirit. Although you might remember when the apostles asked Jesus back in chapter 1 if it was really true that Israel was going to be put back together, his answer was quizzical. I suggest that we'd need to be watching for an answer to exactly that question as the book of Acts unfolds. 
So notice even here at the very start, before we get too excited, you'll notice that while they're all amazed and perplexed, not all of them are persuaded. Because some in verse 13, hardened cynics, I guess, are saying, oh, they've had too much to drink. All were amazed and perplexed, saying, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with sweet wine. All perplexed, but two very different reactions. Some struck by hearing the glories of God in a way they understood. Others just mocking from the sidelines. Which is a pattern that you'll see repeated all the way through the book. Now look, if you've tried telling a friend lately that you're interested in following Jesus, you'll get much the same response today. I was listening just the other day to an interview with Professor Doug Laufenberger from MIT in the US, a, a world leader in cancer research and gene therapy, and also a committed Christian. Doug was asked in the interview, do you feel there's a disdain for your Christian faith in the scientific community? How do your colleagues deal with it? And he said, yes, well, on one extreme, yes, there is disdain. He said, some of my colleagues, I think there's something really profoundly wrong with people like me and that I should be pitied for that. Then there's puzzlement, he says, where, where many colleagues have the view that's just peculiar. He seems to be a pretty good scientist, but it's just odd. That's what's most common, he says, that me and other Christian colleagues just somehow peculiar. And again, I guess, if you've ever been public about your own Christian faith yourself, you don't need me to give examples. Strange, in a way, it's not something that seems to apply to other faith groups who are treated with remarkable respect. But in our case, so often mocked. Well, that's how it was for Jesus. It's there at the grand launch of the mission as well. Still around today. So then, to draw the threads together, what does this mean? That's what they're asking. We'll hear Peter's explanation in the rest of the chapter next week, but for now, a few things to notice. Number one, this is very visibly a change of era. The heart-changing Spirit of God, so long promised, so long awaited, very visibly and publicly here at last on the day of Pentecost. This is the dramatic launch of something new, which will sound folding in the rest of the book. Number two, interesting, if you have got Christian friends who are part of the Pentecostal movement, you might know it's often said or assumed that the gift of speaking in tongues we're seeing here is something that should be typical for Christians today. But do just keep in mind again the purpose of what we're seeing here. That at this astonishing launch event they can suddenly speak in other tongues specifically so that 
other people can understand. Which seems to me not to be the Pentecostal focus at all. Who will admit that when they speak in tongues, no one can understand. Which makes it quite a different thing. Now, I'm not saying that this morning to be critical of what might be your own experience or the experience of Christian friends. But it seems from the point of view of the Holy Spirit, the big thing is to be understood by the people we're talking to. Look, of course, when it comes to our own culture today, I should start by pointing the finger at us Presbyterians because we have exactly the same problem in a slightly different way. We need, I think, the help of the Spirit to shape our own words in a way that somehow makes sense to the people around us. Because typically, we're so full of jargon and theological language, and we are so culturally tone-deaf that it's hard for anyone to even hear us proclaiming the wonders of God in the resurrection of Jesus. I think it's going to take a miracle if it's ever going to happen. And yet even then, of course, however right we get it, to some people it's just going to sound like we're crazy anyway. But look, on the other hand, even this morning, if, if as you're hearing this stuff and maybe it's new to you, Maybe for you there is actually a ring of truth about it and you are hearing the wonders of God in a way that has a new resonance. Because, friends, the same Spirit still speaks and the same message still stands. Next week, if you can join us, we'll hear Peter's explanation of what it all means about Jesus and what the crowd should do about it. I'd encourage you to be here to hear it. Maybe even read ahead in the chapter of home. You've been listening to Scott's Cast, the Bible teaching podcast of Scott's Church, Melbourne.